For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Bridget O'Neill. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover student perspectives on the Honor Committee, an update on the sudden removal of Princeton High School's principal, a major deployment of U.S. troops to the southern border, and the looming threat of a default on the national debt. It's Wednesday, May 3rd. According to the Prince's 2023 senior survey, 62% of respondents have a strongly or somewhat unfavorable view of the Honor Code. Assistant News Editor Julian Hartman-Segal looks back at changes to the Honor Code after a 2017 referendum which the administration stayed. Head Podcast Editor Eden Tashoma sat down with him to learn more. Can you introduce yourself with your name, class year, and what you do for the Prince? My name is Julian Hartman-Siegel. I am the class of 2026, and I'm an assistant news and assistant newsletter editor here at the Prince. So can you tell us a bit about how students feel and think about the Honor Committee? So in the Daily Princetonian Senior Survey this year, they asked a question about how seniors feel about the Honor Committee. 62% of seniors have an unfavorable view of it, and only 16% have a favorable view of it. So what are some of the misconceptions the Honor Committee says students hold about it? So to be be clear, the reporting in my article is based on conversations with current and former chairs of the Honor Committee, so we definitely do have a certain perspective. But what they say is there are mainly two things that students don't really understand about the Honor Committee. One is the scope of it. Students really tend to view the Honor Committee as synonymous with Princeton's disciplinary process at large, but that's really not true. The Honor Committee only handles cases in which students have been accused of plagiarizing during an in-class examination. Everything else, whether it's like PSET cheating or a written essay or a take-home exam, That all goes to the Committee on Discipline, which is not student-led. Only six out of the 17 members of the Committee on Discipline are students, so students do not have anywhere near a majority on that committee. What they say about this is that pretty much when you view it like that, and you look at the numbers, which are in my article, which show that the Committee on Discipline gets way more cases referred to them than the Honor Committee does, like multiple times the number, and is actually, it seems like they're way harsher with the cases they do get, probably related to the fact that there are a lot of faculty and there are some administrators on the committee. So the Honor Committee chairs say, look, the disciplinary process at Princeton has two things going on. It has the Committee on Discipline and the Honor Committee. And the Committee on Discipline is a much larger percentage of that disciplinary body than the Honor Committee is. And the second thing they say is that actually the Honor Committee has changed a lot in the past few years. So there's a widely cited investigation that the Daily Princetonian did last year that was like inside the Honor Committee. And when I talked to the people from the Honor Committee about this investigation, they say, look, the things that happened in that report are horrific. Like those things should not be happening. The Honor Committee as it was five, 10 years ago was bad. But they say that things actually changed. And this change started in around 2017. So in 2017, there was a referendum passed that passed by three fourths majority in the student body that had four recommendations for how to improve the Honor Committee. Even though that was approved by three-fourths majority, the university rejected three out of the four proposals, and the one that they accepted was incredibly minor and almost has no significance at all. So that really made a lot of students feel like they had no power in the process, and that no matter how much they tried to reform the committee, the university was going to impose its will on the student body and on the rules and regulations. However, what you learn is that after that, the university started a process in which there were four committees that produced four different reports, a very complicated process, but at the end of it, the Honor Committee actually did change a lot throughout that period, and a lot of their procedures, rules, and findings are very different than what they were five years ago. Thank you so much. Thank you. You could read the piece at dailyprincetonian.com or at the link in the show notes. In local news, following the Prince's coverage on the controversy over Princeton High School Principal Frank Tamil's unexplained removal, Tamil's attorneys have requested a public Donaldson hearing. Tamil was placed on administrative leave on March 17th by Superintendent of Princeton Public Schools Dr. Carol Kelly, sparking uproar from some parents and students in the community. The purpose of a Donaldson hearing is for a staff member to convince the Board of Education to offer reemployment. 
According to Princeton Public Schools, Chamil has agreed to waive his privacy rights for the Donaldson hearing, but not for any time before or after. A date has not yet been set, but in the meantime, you can catch up on the PHS controversy at the link in the show notes. In national news, President Biden is sending 1,500 active duty troops to the U.S.-Mexico border in preparation for a surge of migrants entering the country after Title 42 restrictions are lifted next week. The troops will augment and fill in the gaps of existing customs and border protection missions, performing administrative tasks since military personnel cannot act as law enforcement on U.S. soil. Title 42 was introduced by the Trump administration during the pandemic's era to stop the spread of COVID-19 across the border. The then-administration used the rule to override immigration law that allowed migrants who entered the country illegally to seek asylum. Title 42 enabled the United States to avoid taking them into custody at federal facilities and instead send them back across the border. With the end of Title 42 restrictions on May 11th, illegal border crossings are expected to double, according to U.S. officials. Along with the influx of troops, cities on the border are preparing for declaring states of emergency. On Monday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen issued a warning that the United States could run out of money to pay its debt by June 1st if Congress does not raise or suspend the debt limit. This concrete deadline has mounted pressure on the Biden administration and lawmakers to reach an agreement amongst an ongoing standstill to avoid defaulting on the national debt. At present, the United States borrows large amounts of money to pay bills, like Social Security, interest payments to bondholders, and government salaries, because the country runs a budget deficit. If the country defaults and is no longer able to borrow, spending may be halted, threatening a global financial crisis. The president and House Republicans, however, are at an impasse because the Republican majority has refused to raise the limit without substantial spending cuts. In response to the warning, President Biden has called a meeting between the top four congressional leaders a week from now, on May 9th, in hopes of accelerating negotiations. The new shortened timeline is partly due to findings from the Congressional Budget Office that saw lower-than-expected income payments from tax receipts processed in April, decreasing the government's projected revenue. House Republicans did pass legislation in April that would raise a debt ceiling, but Democrats have widely rejected the bill due to its accompanying demands for deep spending cuts and rollbacks on recent climate legislation. Expect more chilly weather and cloudy skies with a high of 55 and a low of 41. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Eden Tashoma, sound engineered by Isabel Jacobson, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of The Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 22. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Bridget O'Neill. Have a wonderful day.